So yeah. I was the last regular episode. Yeah. You recorded and you lost it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's funny. Like I wouldn't have believed that there were no regular episodes between the last one we did and this one. That's what I was saying about it's been a long time. <laughs> really. So yeah. So ho hopefully I'm actually a good luck charm this time. <laughs> <laughs> It'll kick off the like getting over that. All right. Um, and I was gonna say I know I asked this before, but do you just want me to introduce you as like Melissa or Melissa Maples or? Uh, whatever, whatever comes out of your mouth. Okay. <laughs> and I'm always like, who's this asshole? <laughs> how, who is she? Uh, how should we know her? Uh, <laughs> is she attractive? Do we want to be talking to her? Like, <laughs> that's your criteria. Is she attractive? Do we want to be talking to her? <laughs> Oh, yeah. But I was just like, why would you maybe think that's appropriate? Something? Yeah. It's been hours <sighs> about men being inappropriate on the internet, but. That's, I was going to say, that's like a whole. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's another show in itself. <laughs> and that that's like a series. <laughs> that's not yeah. just. <laughs> yeah, we could come back every week with two fully new hours of stuff to talk about. Correct. <laughs> Welcome to episode 37 of the Screams and Moans podcast, the podcast about movies and sex, but not together because that would be porn. This episode I have with me Melissa Maples, all the way from Turkey. Hello. Hi. Well, I did uh, record an episode earlier with Melissa for Halloween, but uh, since that had its own Halloween disaster, we decided to give it another go. Uh, this time for kind of a St. Patrick's Day theme, I guess. Coming up, yeah, def definitely. We're we're in that ballpark, <laughs> sure. right around that range. Yeah. Yep. Although I don't know who really, other than America, celebrates St. Patrick's Day. Um. Yeah. Well, you get bits of it here and there, but yeah, yeah. I, it seems to be a big deal, especially in the northeast of of the U.S. Um, I understand it's a huge deal in Boston. Yeah, it's a it's a huge deal in St. Paul as well in oh, Minnesota, but I suppose that's also an Irish or uh, Irish Catholic. Yeah, city. yeah. But I don't know. I mean, um, I don't know with you know the UK and things like. Do people in Ireland really celebrate that day, or is it just kind of a made up American holiday? No, it's not. An, it's not. It's definitely not a made up American holiday. I've never actually spent. St. Patrick's Day in um, 
in Ireland, so I, I can't really speak to that. Um, I know that a lot, uh, you know, obviously from, from being in the UK, I know that a lot more is made of the uh, political symbolism. You know, you've, you've, uh, you've got the, uh, the green, the people who wear the green versus the people who are wearing the orange, for example, which I, th I think in, in the US, it's more just like an excuse to uh, pour a bunch of food coloring in the river and, and drink until you puke. Correct. <laughs> Lots of green beer uh, and Guinness and stereotypes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wear a lot of shirts with four leaf clovers that are green. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, because of people I know or people I've talked to, I, I understand a little bit more about kind of the political, mm -hmm. uh, religious affiliations with, yeah. with the different sides. But here, no one really does that. Uh, it's just another so, yeah. drink. <laughs> Right. Like, we've went a couple months without a holiday where we can drink a lot. I mean, there was New Year's, but... Easter could be weeks off, so uh, we need to do something. <laughs> yes. And we don't have enough chemicals in our food, so I think we need to add some green food coloring to our beer. <laughs> and of course, you know, con considering the whole Catholic thing, St. Patrick's Day falls right in the middle of Lent which, you know, ostensibly is supposed to be the time when you're specifically not drinking and, and you're not indulging and you're not engaging in all these extreme behaviors. So, uh, yeah, it's always curious to see, you know, loud and proud Irish Catholics out there, you know, doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> Lent be damned. <laughs> right tonight. Well, maybe they're just giving up some of the alcohol, not all of it. Or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. here maybe if it's if it's not green beer it's you know irish whiskey so yeah yeah uh, absolutely <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah i don't think um i did hear once somebody say to someone why are you wearing orange on saint patrick's day and the person looked at them very confused so <laughs> they really yeah don't yeah. have any of the history here no no it's all just about sort of like team spirit and it's like yay go team alcohol and yes. <laughs> speaking, I was like speaking of I went out last night in Minneapolis um, and actually the downtown was quite dead but the people that I did see um, roaming around were all dressed up in green with their green hats but it's not till, uh, it's not till next week, is it? It's not till next Thursday, but I'm sure uh, usually kind of the pub crawls that they sell tickets to that oh. are around the holiday would have it before versus after. Why just have one day of excessive drinking when you can have a whole week of excessive drinking? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, maybe if you're at university, you might have that as spring break as well. Oh, so, right. So if you're not going anywhere, you should at least get hammered all week to celebrate a holiday you know nothing about. Yeah. <laughs> well, and excuse to drink, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm all about excuses to drink, but you know, I'm kind of past the point of it having to be excessive all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where you can, you know, have a couple of drinks and then just sort of enjoy the rest of your evening, just, just cruise along. Yes. Yeah. 
just get a little more relaxed and uh, I know it would be hard for people to believe, but more talkative, uh, yeah. <laughs> things like that. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize though, especially when you go out, the social anxiety is, is a real thing. Like it's one thing you and I speaking to each other and we're comfortable around each other and it's just one-on-one. -on -one. But sometimes you get out there in a group, um, I certainly identify as introverted and I think maybe you do as well. Oh, definitely, in a group of people, and that's what people don't understand, because they'll meet me one-on-one -on -one and say, oh, you're just as bubbly and talkative and whatever as I thought, and it's like, yeah, put me in a group of people that I don't know or that I only kind of know, Exactly. and I'm the one sitting in the corner booth. If somebody comes and talks to me, great, I will talk with them, but... yes. Yeah, people confuse introverted with shy, and I'm yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not afraid of people. I'm just it's it's just all a bit much when it's a, a huge group of them. And like you said, if you don't know anybody, then it's like what what would we even talk about? <laughs> what do I ask them? How do I you know start yeah. a conversation? <laughs> Which especially being a podcaster, I think surprises people with me. Yeah, yeah, well. indeed. No, I get you. I I totally get it. <laughs> I'm the same way. But, well, yeah, I mean, I guess since I do feel that way in big groups as well, it's like, maybe that's why I don't like these huge beer bashes for, like, St. Patty's Day or shit like that. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in at once, because the social aspects are there regardless, but then when you've got the social aspects of people who are drinking to excess, and a lot of them get to the point where they just don't even make any sense anymore when they're talking... And I tend to err on the side of caution. Like, I don't want to drink too much when I'm in a situation I'm not completely comfortable with. So I might have one drink or two. And if everyone else has had like seven or eight, then they're all just talking complete and utter nonsense by that time. And so then it's like, not only am I not that comfortable with this conversation, but also like you're just, you're just being, you think you're being clever and you're just, <laughs> you just right. a bunch of idiots. <laughs> it's, no, it's, not, it's not really a tremendous amount of fun to, to be like the lone sober person when everybody else is really, really drunk. Exactly. And then as well, you already feel awkward enough. And then, well, if you're me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So then you already feel awkward. And now they suddenly think, they're hilarious and they're looking at you like you don't get it <laughs> yeah like no you think you're so terribly funny and clever but really you're just you're just being an idiot <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> speaking of drinking and leprechauns and saint patty's day and all that yes. uh we did end up watching a movie uh <laughs> for the show <laughs> uh i i actually i i had some help actually <laughs> you might have needed it for this show <laughs> um <laughs> because as as of yesterday i um i still hadn't watched it and i saw this coming up on the calendar i was like okay i really have to watch this film now um David and I have very different ideas about uh, what constitutes a, a watchable <laughs> movie. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually quite picky. I feel like there are enough really, really great films out there, like more than I could, even if I just watched fantastic films every hour of every day forever, 
even and even if they just stopped putting out films tomorrow there still wouldn't be enough time for me to watch all the amazing films that are out there already so i feel like don't life's too short don't waste your time on terrible films so if if a title comes my way and somebody says you know you should watch this um generally i look up what's the rating on imdb what's the rating on yeah. rotten tomatoes if those both look good then i'll give it 10 minutes and if it hasn't grabbed me within the first 10 minutes then i i'm ruthless i just ditch it because again life's too short you, there are plenty of good films you could be watching instead yeah david on the other hand um he finds a lot of value in a film being really really bad and Yay! <laughs> and he really um he just in that sense he's got no standards he will watch anything he doesn't care what the rating is he doesn't care if it's the 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 worst piece of shite he's ever seen he'd just he'd just watch it um so yesterday when i was kind of um moaning about oh i still have to watch this film and he's like oh what's the film and i said it's it's called it's called leprechaun <laughs> it's called <laughs> leprechaun in the hood and it's got a rating of 3.8 on imdb and he's like i can't wait <laughs> <laughs> he's like let's watch it right and i was like oh no i wouldn't i wouldn't make you watch it with me i just you know i need to watch it so that i can speak intelligently about it he's like no i actually want to watch it and as it turned out i was in the middle of something right at that moment and i wasn't ready to to watch the film yet and he said well no i kind of want to watch it so i left him to it so he pre-screened it for me <laughs> <laughs> And I was in the other I was in the other room doing other things and even with the door closed I could hear him cackling in the other room. And afterward I came back out and I said, I really heard you laughing and I, he said, That's one of the funniest films I've ever seen. <laughs> and he he showed me like several bits that were like his favourite bits that he wanted to watch again. So he really, really liked it. So I, I went into it, I, I actually watched it this morning, I went into it with, with that, you know, his, his glowing review of it, he thought it was fantastic. <laughs> and I, I went into it with that attitude, so I think that may have helped somewhat. Um, having yeah, cush, cushion the blow of something it. called Leprechaun in the Hood with, <laughs> just, with Warwick Davis and iced tea. <laughs> just... Someone, someone whose opinion I respect, and and you know, someone who, whom I trust, has has said that he really, really enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, I I went into it with, with that mindset. So yeah, that that definitely helped. That said, it is still ninety minutes of my life that I will never get back. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. I I blame you for that, but uh, but here we are. You can buy me a drink later. I was gonna say I'll just owe you a drink yeah. <laughs> when we see each other. That'll do. That that'll pay for that twenty minutes. I think. <laughs> I, I think it's actually a record for me. I think that, that's the first time I've ever watched a film that had a three point eight rating on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's it's interesting because I think with time I've learned to appreciate bad movies like. I don't know that appreciate is the right word, um, but <laughs> you do find some value there. Yes. Well, and 
I don't know. It's something about, yeah, sometimes it's so, so bad that it's almost hilariously bad. Or, yes. like, you, especially, I think this whole Leprechaun series, I know, there's a whole series. I don't know, there's probably, like, eight or ten of them at this point. Yeah, I noticed that there were some things happening that I thought, oh, I bet if I'd watched some of the other films, I would understand that bit more. It seemed like there were some references to, like, the, the franchise of it. And I thought, mm. I didn't really get that bit, and I bet that's a reference to something that happens in all these films. Right, like repeating themes or whatever. But yeah, but, like like even just the way the film starts, there's there's that whole thing where you know he's he knocks through the the concrete and he goes down there, and I'm thinking, I bet the end of the film before this set this bit up. Like I don't know if he was in the previous film or what, but like how did he know that this was down there? And there were a lot of unanswered questions that I thought I bet if I'd watched some of the other films, I would know the answer to these questions. Some of them you would. Like, the the history of the leprechaun, I think you would. Um, but that just kind of... <laughs> I'm giggling because of the phrase, but I was going to say, like, comes in dry. Like, it, right. there's no... <laughs> it's just like, oh, this, this person gave us this map, and now it's here. Because the thing that I was going to say is when I was looking at the different titles, like, Leprechaun 4 is in space. And to me, I was like, How? wait a minute... <laughs> Lep First off, like, this leprechaun, he fucking rhymes in all these fucking films. So why did it take to, like, the fifth film after they went to space to determine that, hey, maybe we should have leprechaun in the hood and he could, like, rap? Like, I mean, why did it take that long? <laughs> yeah, it does seem like an obvious choice. Maybe not for a leprechaun, but for, for, for the rhyming. Yes, absolutely. Hip-hop was definitely... Like, why didn't they think of this before? And then, of course, yeah. you, you know, you can rope in some sort of B and C listers from from the hip hop scene. Um, Coolio makes a makes a cameo in the film. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was no purpose course, you know, to that cameo, well, by the way. <laughs> as far as I can tell, maybe he just wanted to be in the film, and they said, "Yeah, okay, we'll put you in the church scene." And. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're they're singing in a church. Suddenly, it's like, oh hey, Coolio, and then they just go back to rapping. Like, <laughs> oh, speaking of that, they just go back to rapping. Here's here's yes. my biggest question, and again, I don't know if this maybe is answered if you've seen all the films or if it's just uh, this uh, this issue that it's just a problem with the writing. It seems to me that if someone blows on the flute, then everyone who hears it is like goes into a trance. Yeah. And like when the guy's demonstrating how it works, he, he goes, look, watch this. And he blows on the flute and his friends like go into a trance. But then as soon as he stops blowing it, they come back and they kind of snap out of it and go, oh, what was, what was that, you know? Unless they're going into a song after that. Then he blows the flute and somehow everybody remains in the trance for long enough for them to perform. <laughs> and I thought, how did that work then? If, if, they, if they supposedly snap out of it immediately after he stops blowing the flute, then wouldn't he have to blow it through the entire song to keep them... To keep, to keep them, them entertained. Or where they are. Right. Yeah. Right, or... <laughs> well, on that 
sound. That flute sound was horrendous. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> it doesn't even sound like well, flute. Well, and I was going to say as well, like, it doesn't always, because like you said, when he's showing his friend, how come his friend isn't going in the trance then? Yeah. Like, exactly. he's still playing the flute. And he's, um, he's like, put your fingers in your ears, which he did, and I thought, but that's not going to block out all the noise. Putting we your fingers in your doesn't work. No. <laughs> but for the purposes of the film, they just kind of went, eh, okay, it's close enough. Right. You know, I, I could see if you blew the flute, and then kind of like hypnotism, right? We're like, oh, you're going to like this song or gave some command. But no, he just blew the flute and... And and they just go all mesmerized, yeah. Yeah. And then somehow magically stay that way for as long as necessary to get the song out. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> this is like... I was watching these videos, but I was going to say it was like the most epic rap battle of history going on in this show. Like, they made a whole movie about it. And the fact that, yeah, like you said, that it's all because of this found flute that, you know, <laughs> the rap industry was made. I also, I think, I think there's like some uh, perhaps uh, semi-serious commentary there on... Um on how the music industry works, because it seems like uh, they didn't actually really get any better. They just got more attention with the flute. And they weren't, okay, they're not terrible to begin with. Like they, you know, it's, they're sort of just like any other aspiring band, you know, they've, they've got their skill and, and they know how to use it, but they just couldn't get a break. And I yes. think there's there's just a comment there on the music industry in general that it's it's not about how good you are it's about whether or not you can get the attention of the right people, and you know that could just be down to um, having a magic flute as it were, <laughs> right? <laughs> Basically luck, you know, equating it to luck. Oh, right? now yeah, now we're back on Leprechaun. <laughs> it's all about, <laughs> about luck. That's where this all came around, right? You That's have to get lucky. Circle. You have to get lucky in the music industry. Then they went wait a minute, there's some movies about leprechauns. Yeah. We can make these guys get lucky off a leprechaun, but how? Of course now, <laughs> of course now this film is now 16 years old. So that was back, you know, when the music industry was still about record labels and getting signed. And whereas now, if you've got skill, you just, you just put your stuff on YouTube and people either like it or they don't. Uh, and, right. and then the signing all comes after that you know if you get a record like a traditional record deal it's much later after you're already famous right you've already hit it big you've already had your viral thing you have your youtube channel or whatever and then then the record the... companies come running whereas before it was you going running to the record companies and just hoping and praying and begging for someone to listen to you and maybe give you a shot so uh yeah, this is another one of those films that uh, technology makes makes this film completely obsolete. You know, they talk about um, films that where the plots don't make any sense in a world where we now have mobile phones, like yes. which is most horror films. I think actually is that most of the problems could be solved with just you know you ring the person up and say, actually that room is dangerous, don't go in there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, now that we have mobile phones, you know. <laughs> most of these plots don't make any sense. And it's the same with this, like now that the music industry has changed, you couldn't make the same film now because they wouldn't be trying so hard. They would just put their stuff on YouTube and be done with it. 
<laughs> right, they would have just sat around taping it for YouTube. It's like, this phone today. <laughs> Hold on. Well, and I was gonna say, too, sorry, as you were talking about that in films and stuff like that. This was made in 2000 and they were trying to play it like they were in Compton. Like, maybe this is the original straight out of Compton. It's just... <laughs> And they were like, and I know this was alluded to in the in the dialogue, but they were like the least Compton guys from Compton that you could ever imagine. Like, when you think about all the stereotypes of Compton, they were like exactly the opposite. They were like yep. three three good boys. Well, right, rapping about positivity. <laughs> and... <laughs> and then firearms came into the picture and it all went downhill. Right. And then, you know, everyone after a couple friends get killed turns into a gangster, evidently, so. <laughs> well, I, I found it interesting that the, uh, a spoiler alert, the guy who ends up surviving at the end, and then you, you see him going out onto the stage and you think, oh, that's an interesting twist because he was arguably, he was the one with the strongest moral compass and the one who was trying to keep everybody in line and sort of doing the right thing and all that. And then in the end, like his friends died and he, so he just took all the fame for himself. But then you get that little twist at the end where yes, <laughs> we find out that it's not actually him. Like, acting yeah, stuff. I did not expect that at all, actually, on the end, because um, where it leaves is, you know, basically that the leprechaun um, can be frozen by having this necklace fall yeah. over his neck. Yeah. Uh, which I don't know where that comes in in lore either, but um, I'm, maybe it does somewhere. Along with smoking clover-laced weed. Yeah. Well. <laughs> which, you know, who hasn't done that? Right? <laughs> I, <laughs> I did have to laugh, though, that they totally played on that whole, like, a friend with weed is a friend indeed. It reminded me when you said weed because uh, he was smoking with the, uh, those zombie girls. What well, What's the deal with the zombie girls? Is that something that runs through all the films? I don't think so. I mean, I've seen one and two. I mean, he, it, definitely he can take the form of other people. Right. But having this entourage of, of, of undead women. No, I think that was maybe the whole like entourage movement coming into the movie as well. Like having your own little yeah. entourage. In, I just I, I thought I have no idea what leprechauns have to do with zombie women. <laughs> no idea what, what what the connection is there, but <laughs> lep in the hood up to no good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, the best way to really describe the entire film is just ridiculous. I mean... Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um. <laughs> when, 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 David, when David was watching it the, the night before I watched it, there was one part that he, he laughed particularly hard at, and when I came out and he was showing me all his favourite bits, it turned out that bit was um, right at the beginning when, um, when he's, like, pulling things out of his afro... And one of the things he pulls out is a baseball bat. <laughs> and he just thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever seen. <laughs> and I was like, 
I, I really think this whole film's going to be lost on me. I'm not sure I can get it. <laughs> but in, in context, it, it, it did have a bit more punch, you know, when I watched the, the film all the way through. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, they're, they're using that. And then when he comes out and he's wanting to know what the hell the music is. And he's like, that's rap. And I'm like, oh, no, the leprechaun's going to start rapping. And, like, and sure enough. Sure enough. You had to wait for it, but it did happen. It was the closing credits, but it did happen. It did. And it's a fucking earworm as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> You're like, no, I can't forget this film because I just keep seeing that repeatedly. <laughs> oh, every time I see leprechauns, I'm going to think of you. Oh boy! <laughs> then you're gonna be like, "Oh, she still owes me a drink." <laughs> I I fully intend to cash that one in. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't know. I had someone argue to me that like Ice T has done a lot of bad films, but I just wondered like, what the hell made him think that this was even going to be a good film to? be in it all. <laughs> I think when you go into a film like that, there's, there can't be any illusions. I don't think he ever thought that it was a good film. I think he thought it might be fun. Also, Something new and enjoyable. I think yeah. even at that point in his career, it might have been his only chance to be in anything approximating a leading role. Because That's true, because it was 2000. Yeah, so... by, by that point, he had sort of kind of fallen off the map in terms of celebrity so it yeah it might have just been like one last shot at trying to have a leading role in something but yeah I'm, I'm not sure that i you know want my grandkids or whatever to be looking back over my body of work and running across that <laughs> but hey, to each his own <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know i almost liked him better with the afro in the beginning though yeah but... yeah yeah definitely but true, true to form, he played the badass motherfucker, like record label owner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which slash he, pimp? They they do say you know, do what you know, and that and that is in fact what he knows. Yeah, I don't even. I'm not even aware of what he's doing now. If I mean, is he just retired now, or I don't even know. Um, I thought he actually does like. Um, doesn't he do Law and Order SVU? Like, he's what? actually on a series. Oh, so yeah. he's actually doing, like, proper acting. Yeah. So, see, doing this film led to other good things. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm sure he had a reality TV show as well. So I suppose, you know, if you go through bad movies, reality TV, oh, you too can come back. Yeah, I guess as long as you stay in the public eye, maybe there's always a chance that you can, like, get back in the game. I could believe that. Well, good on yeah. him. I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy, so... Yeah, I'm a... we all made bad choices. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the first person ever to make a questionable career move, so... Exactly. <laughs> yeah, best of luck to him. <laughs> oh, and, you know, as another side note I have written down is that I think their friend Butch was only in the film for his, like, crazy facial expressions because he didn't really... I mean, not that too many characters add anything to this plot but <laughs> but he was really just there to like 
fix their equipment, come up with random, you know, um, ways to save the day or get out of trouble or whatever, and then make crazy facial expressions every time something happened. And also, (laughs) I think there were so many... I, I kept having to remind myself, this was 15 years ago. Times have changed a lot in the last 15 years. This was 15 years ago. Don't get so serious. Because there was there were a lot of problematic stereotypes in this film. And and he was one of them. It was like the uh, the really, really nice kid who's still a virgin. And yes. um, he also happens to be um, a bit sort of stereotypically nerdy. He's technologically minded. He knows how to fix things. But talking to girls, well, that's just, no, not really part of his skill set. And I don't know, to me, it kind of played like as well. You know, he really paid a lot of attention to transvestites and things. Well, yeah. Like, that was the- and I thought maybe they were alluding to something there, too. The, the other problematic stereotype was they had this uh, they had this transgender character who came in and... Um, I can't remember the exact line, but when when the leprechaun first sees her, um, he says something about, I didn't come here to play with fruit. And I cringed at that. I was like, oh, that is so horrible. That is so horrible. But I know. As if it weren't bad enough that the the transgender woman gets murdered and, and has to suffer all these different insults. Then there are the scenes later on where they come up with the idea of, oh, um, let's dress up as women and, you know, pretend to go in there. And and I just thought, oh, God, like, did we not have enough of this <laughs> when, when, when the transgender character got killed? Do we have to go yeah. through this again? Now we're doing transvestite stuff and... And then uh, when uh, when he finally gets shot at the end and he realizes that he's going to die, his only request is not in a dress, not in a dress. <laughs> like all these other things he could be worried about in that moment. What he's most worried about is that he's going to die wearing a dress. Like that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to you is dying in a dress. Right. <laughs> right. And Personally, I'm... I think just dying it yourself or Shh. by some other <laughs> awful manner. It's... Yeah, I just know I know myself, Melissa. This film was 15 years ago. People, people weren't as involved as the, on these topics as they are now. Just let it go. Let it go. It's not like it <laughs> pretending to be a good film anyway. Just let it go. Right. Well, and the fact that, like you said, the transgendered person as well. That whole fruit comment got me too, but then he was like, I'm just here to get my flute. And he's like, well, if that's what you want to call it, you can come on in. And it's like, you know, and has dildos just laying out on the table as if like, that's what transgendered people do. They hang out with dildos all over their house. What what else could they possibly be into? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the whole thing was just incredibly problematic. And I thought... From the beginning, I thought, I need to let this go, because if I can't let this go, then <laughs> I'm in big trouble with the rest of this film, I think. So, yeah, I just... And the crew... <laughs> write, write, write it off to, you know, a product of the times, and, and also the fact that this is a really, really terrible movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you had the crooked preacher as well. Oh, like... yeah, when the zombie woman came in, and he was like, hey, baby... <laughs> <laughs> well, and when he's like, God's watching you dig deep into your pockets, you know, and uh, yeah, well, it was the money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was all about the Benjamins, baby. <laughs> yeah, all about the Benjamins, and then of course, you know, uh, 
bringing in sinners off the streets so that he could rehabilitate them personally. You know, with, with his, his uh, personal touch. Yeah, his, his, <laughs> his tongue skills, as he put it. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've never been rehabilitated that way. I don't know. No, no. You know, I, I, I'm the first to admit I don't have, uh, you know, a, a lot of experience. Uh, I, I, I went to Catholic school as a kid, and of course we had church there, but it was that was all very um, sort of prim and proper uh, definitely like w white people style church, you know, where everything was, uh, very rigid and very, um, uh, as it were. And, uh, <laughs> and just, you know, the, the mass was said in Latin and all this. So it was all very sort of, uh, antiquated and, and very formal. Whereas I think, yeah. uh, the churches that most people go to, especially in the U S are a bit more relaxed, more casual. It's, you know, people show up wearing whatever they happen to be wearing, and um, there's a lot more singing and dancing, and sort of uh, more of a celebratory mood. Yeah, and more uh, making it enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're trying. They're trying to make it appeal to it. You know, to a 21st century crowd now that won't won't tolerate the sort of formality that I grew up with. Uh, you know, in in Catholic school. Um, yeah, he definitely took casual day to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to new levels with you know, playing fast and loose with the rules there but yeah it was funny I, I i was trying to think about how many of the leprechaun's victims did i feel sorry for and how many others did i think it's kind of had it coming and he was, yeah he was definitely one of the ones that i thought had it coming i'm unclear on what happened to the old the old blind woman I know that she she took out one of his eyes by accident. Yeah, and I think that was a dream. That's where I got, you know, it's like he kept having these dreams yeah, of someone knocking at the door. After that, yeah. I wasn't clear yeah. if she actually survived because I, 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 I was kind of rooting for her. Yeah, I was hoping that, exactly, that he wouldn't kill her. Um, I was going to say back on stereotypes and people he killed... Like the Asian <laughs> restaurant, like gro grocery store owner, because you know that's what Asian people do. They they have they have a, they have a shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, definitely a lot of problematic stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could even argue the African American or Black people in the film as well. I mean, like, are yeah. they all hardcore gangster rappers? I don't think so. Yeah, indeed. But. <laughs> but um yeah like you said i think a lot of it had to do with the the era it was made and yeah i mean i do remember i guess i'd say maybe a probably more a few years previous to that they were a little late on the bandwagon of like hip-hop starting to kind of blow up and become a lot more mainstream yeah and that was uh, i i kept telling myself that i thought okay keep in mind this was made in 2000 or it was released in 2000 which means it was actually made probably in 1999 i'm like okay that's the 90s melissa you know that don't don't confuse that with how things are now because you know that's i mean we're getting up on you know 16 making me feel old yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're getting up on making me feel old no. <laughs> so it's like yeah you, you can't compare a film that was made in the 90s to anything that, that's made now no <laughs> 
So yeah, this is this is all just me being zen about the whole thing and just letting it go. <laughs> and enjoying a horrible movie. <laughs> enjoying a horrible movie. What's so funny is that, you know, I, I was aware of the franchise and I, you know, I obviously I've heard the names of these films before. Um and I, I'm a I'm a fan of like true horror. I do love horror films. Um and I saw this described as horror comedy, but it was actually pretty much just straight up comedy. There wasn't much horror to it, there this one. I mean, there were a couple of scenes where like people get holes blown in them and there was blood. But compared to what I'm used to from like gory horror films, especially of that time, like, you know, the 90s, even the late 90s, it was actually pretty tame in terms of like the special effects and the blood and all that. It was more they were relying on on physical comedy and 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 comedic punchlines to, to carry the film through. And what was funny is that I didn't. I thought the film might have that might have actually made the film a bit better. I don't think it would have been better having more blood in it. No, and uh, well, some of the previous ones had more blood, but still, I mean, not a lot. They've always tried to make kind of a storyline out of it, so it's it's like a mini story series with some thrown in violence here and there. Yeah, you piss a leprechaun off. Yeah, so I I think more than being comedy horror, it was more like comedy with a bit of horror sprinkled in here and there, with a horror warning label on it or yeah something. exactly exactly but yeah there, there, i don't think there were even any moments where i particularly jumped or anything because most of the time um there were there was plenty of warning if somebody was going to die i mean basically anytime you saw the leprechaun enter the room you kind of knew that somebody was going to get it especially once he started rhyming you knew that was it like, <laughs> yeah so that's your sentence of death either strangled or a, a hole blown through the middle of them or or their head blown off with a gun or something so you always kind of knew it was coming there were no really real jumpy moments and i think that made made it more essential that there was so much comic relief and so many jokes and i think yeah, yeah. If, if anything that the, the film was made better for it i would agree with that <laughs> and like I said, I just, I mean, part of me picking it was the time of year that we're recording and yeah. stuff like that. Definitely more than, you know, I think with the show and stuff like that. That, Yeah, I tend to try to find films that people may not have watched. Some of those are bad. Some of them are, are actually quite good. <laughs> Some of them are 3.8. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's probably a good point to uh, stop with the first half, and uh, then we'll get talking about other potentially horrible movies when we <laughs> talk about porn parodies or uh, possible porn parody titles. Ew. From the land of the Irish Spring. Dublin's the place where I learned my thing. From the Emerald Isle to your place in the hood. I'm the man of green, come to do no good. Left in the hood, come to do no good. Left in the hood, come to do no good. Blunt is dope, this place is hype. There's a lassie, she's just my type. I hate your resort so soon to money. Haven't been late so long, it's happening. I'm so bad, I'm good. I'll show you what to do, so lend an ear. Don't worry, little lassie, you've got nothing to fear. 
sit with the lad who's lean and green And let me show you why I'm a love machine Come do no good I'm a wee green guy who's new to town Show me what you do when you get down I'll go up, you go down We'll call to see your love degree Left in the hood, come to do no good Left in the hood, when we're back it's funny because uh, you, you mentioned this to me a couple of days ago and I, I started thinking about um, ones that I'd seen in the past that it just, it seems to be an excuse just to make the most terrible puns ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that That's really what it's about. And maybe that's where it ties in with the first half and rhyming and yep. puns and... <laughs> rhyming, puns and yeah, and terrible films. Not, not that I think any any porn film is is setting out to be, you know, amazing cinema, but uh... yeah. <laughs> there we go. How highly do those get rated on IMDb? I mean, can we start checking out some of those? Um, I think they definitely get listed on IMDb. I'm not sure if 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 ratings come into it. I think you have to have um, a certain number of ratings before they'll give you the composite score. So um, whether enough people are willing to come, because you have to be signed into your account to rate something. So, whether, so it's semi-publicly rated in yeah, that sense. So I don't know whether enough people are willing to come forward and say, yes, I saw this film and I give it a 6.4. I don't know if <laughs> enough people are willing to do that for porn films that they would actually get rated. But certainly um, there are a lot of um, crossover actors people who got their start in the porn industry who are now doing quote legitimate acting but when you look at their imdb page you see everything they've got all all their sort of legit films that they did and also all the porn films and um they tend to be quite prolific these these uh these porn actors so if you find someone like that who's now doing legitimate legitimate cinema and, and was doing porn before the imdb page goes on for days i mean it can literally be thousands of films right because they just crank them out as quick yeah as that they can make them the other is just is just about making money and at, at least you know up until about 10 years ago when when youtube and what when you know online video came along um it was about names so if you had an actor or an actress who was a known name, you wanted to get as like many... Like Jenna Jameson. Yeah, you wanted as many Jenna Jameson films out there as possible because she would sell copies of the film just by the fact that her name was on the cover of it. Right, so it... and people would pick their favorite porn star and, and they yeah, buy get all their all films. The films they could find. And it, nobody cares about the quality of porn aside from who's in it. Correct. So as 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 long as you've got um, as long as you've got the actor or the actress, then they just try and churn out as many films as possible. And of course, the actor's trying to make money, so they want the same thing. They want to do as many films as possible. So they sign these contracts, you know, for 10, 20, 50 films, and they just churn them out <laughs> like in one year. So yeah, it it makes a mess of the IMDb page if they then go on to a legitimate film career later or, t- or a television career. 
then it's, it's, it gets a bit difficult sifting through basically. But you can see where it happens because you can see all the legit stuff at the top because they've got it like in reverse chronological order. So you've got yeah. all the all the newer stuff that they're doing, all the le legit stuff. And then further on back, you start to see just slowly peppering in with the um, with the questionable titles. And then eventually you just get down to where every year you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling past all these titles. Anal Babes 4, Anal Babes 5, Anal Babes 6. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, they do tend to just you do a series and and because they figure if people buy the first one, then they'll buy all of them, which is probably true. That was a right. Well, and I suppose when people right because then if they're into a specific thing, they're probably going to buy more of that same. Yeah, if that's what they're into, type. and they find a film they like, and then somebody comes out with blah blah two and blah blah three, then they're going to assume that it's it's going to be more of the same and. Just like we do with legit films. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But of course, we're, we're talking. We're talking about. Um, we're talking about the days when um, when people actually paid for porn. Yeah. Now that's the internet has probably. I would imagine has ruined that industry as well in terms of unless you're like a cam girl or something web based with streaming. Well, yeah. I think what's happening now, <clears throat> so I've heard, is. Um, <laughs> Is that a lot of the porn sites um, are doing uh, these accounts for um, for porn stars? So, so basically, it's the same as being a YouTube star. If you put content on on your account and that content goes viral, becomes popular, then they offer you this sort of like special kind of featured account where you've got a verified account and you become sort of one of their stars. And again, you don't have to you don't have to show up at a studio or whatever, you know, maybe you're just making films in your house or whatever. And, and the thing with that is they, they don't have to be like full length films anymore because nobody's buying a DVD. You can make a 30 second no. clip and get famous off that. Right. As long as a lot of people view it. And I suppose just, well, just like YouTube, right? If you're getting more views, you're getting more money. Exactly. So because, yeah, they, they just get m more eyes on videos equals more eyes for advertisers. And, and that's what makes the world go round now is, is that advertising revenue. Oh, I think by the end of this episode, I'm just going to be irritated with the whole entertainment industry is what's going to happen. <laughs> In many ways, though, it, it, it re it's really opened the doors for um, people like you and me who are like independent artists. Like, I'd venture to say even as recently as 10 years ago, if you wanted to do something like what you're doing now with the podcast, um, it would be quite difficult to get to find your audience. Or was, even get it out there for people to listen to. Yeah, there was there was yeah. there was still this aspect of having to ask permission, like you had to go to a radio station and say, you know, can I have this slot where I could broadcast my thing, and it would be up to them whether they would say yes or no. Whereas now you don't need anybody's anybody's permission. If you want to put something out, you just put it out, and then you promote it how you want to want to promote it. So in that sense, I think um, I I don't think it's better or worse. I just think it's different. So now it's like, but I definitely think that individual artists now have, um, if you know, if I can lump porn stars in with artists at the moment, um, now <laughs> the individual we'll allow it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> the individual now has more power, but you also have to have the initiative. Yes, before you had to ask permission from someone, can I do this? Will you let me do this with your studio or with your radio station or with your, you know, 
television studio. Now you put out the content, but you're also responsible. You don't have the backing of, of the record label or the, or the porn studio or the radio station putting all their marketing money behind you. And, you know, they've got all the connections and they know how to get you in you know, the right eyes looking at you. And you, you're kind of on your own. So not only do you have to be an artist, but you also have to be a business person and you've got to be a marketing expert. And that's the trade-off for having that freedom is it's also a lot of responsibility. Yeah, a lot of responsibility and you have to have a lot more skills, a, a much bigger skill set. Yeah, I think, a much, yeah, much more rounded skill set. But I'm not sure that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, no. That the, <laughs> that the area of such, you know, focus specialization is, is, is done, really. Like if you look at my grandmother, um, my grandmother was a career seamstress. And basically the only thing that she knew how to do, aside from keeping a home, because of course all women had to be housewives as well, but um, aside from keeping a home, all she knew how to do was sew clothes. She knew, she knew how to make things with, with fabric and, and sewing things. And I think now it would be very difficult to try and specialize in something that specific. Like you would, you would have to have, if you want to specialize in making clothes, you also need to learn how to open an Etsy store, um, how to get your, how to take really good pictures of your stuff. So you've got to know how to do a bit of photography as well, or you have to have the money to hire a photographer to take pictures of your things so that people will be interested in buying them. Um, you've got to know how to do the social media marketing to get people to visit your Etsy store. So to get the traffic and all of that. Exactly. Yeah. No, I definitely know because I'm looking at reopening an Etsy shop and it's like, oh, God, it's so much work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, I think that era, that era of, of such tight and focused specialization is just it's done. You have to know it's how done. to do a bit of everything now. Yes. And I wonder as well, speaking of, you know, well, films, music, anything really, I think because of that free format and the speed at which we go through fads, I wonder if you're famous for a lot shorter period of time as well. You know, like you're, people are into you and then it's gone. Where the, and it's not. where the 15 minutes is now actually five minutes and yes, you need to try and milk yeah. it for as much as you can during that short period yeah yeah I think I think there's definitely the, the name that always pops up into my it pops into my head during these conversations is Madonna because Madonna of course was doing that whole diversification thing three decades before anybody else was and everyone used to say you know because she would change her hair every six months she would change her entire look every year or so and people were saying why does she keep doing that why does she keep doing that and I think that was that was definitely like foreshadowing of things to come because now you have to do that. If you're if you're staying the same for too long, people get bored so easily now. And if yes. you're, if you're doing the same thing over and over, it's got novelty value for about five minutes. I mean, look at um, look at Psy, the guy who did Gang, uh, Gangnam Style. He yeah. had the most watched video on YouTube, and now nobody cares. No, not at all. And that's what I mean. It's like things blow up and then we don't, you know, shortly after we don't care. And I think I think that's that's the danger with trying to just like do that one thing is you do that one thing and people just get bored with it so quickly. So you've got to be prepared to go in, 
and have a game plan of I'm going to do this and then right when it starts to look like the tide is turning and they're getting bored with it, I've got this other thing that I can do that will catch their attention again. And you've got to be so diligent, just so on the ball about constantly reevaluating what you're doing and keeping it fresh. And it, it's um, even just like on, on, on the level of the content I'm creating, it's exhausting. I can't imagine if you have like, you know, two million YouTube followers how exhausting it must be trying to keep all those people entertained when everyone's, you know, got the attention span of a flea. <laughs> oh, correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, everybody wants to feel like you're paying attention to them. Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm always like, you know, I like doing my little indie podcast. It doesn't need to blow up to anything massive. Because <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah. get to the point. I can enjoy talking to my fans and, and not feel like, you're ignoring this huge bunch of people that are suddenly going to hate you for that. <laughs> and of course, uh, like, like you, like you alluded to a minute ago, um, because people can comment directly on your, on your content in a way that they know that you'll see it or that it's available to you, that you, you know, you'll, you'll hear their feedback. They, they quite often expect that that means that they have the right to engage with you on that level, that like they have the right to have their questions answered, like why didn't you do it this way or why don't you do this? Or, and it's like if if you start spending time trying to respond to everybody who has an opinion about what you've done or who thinks they know where what direction you should go in next, you'd be doing nothing else. Right, you wouldn't be doing anything and you wouldn't be creative as well because one person's going to want you to do one thing and the other person is going to be like, nope, I like it the way it is, or nope, I want you to go this other direction. That is so, the absolute quickest way to kill everything is just to start trying to please everyone else. <laughs> yes, where instead it's, yeah, it's like, well, this is what I do uh, when I feel like it's getting stale. <laughs> I, I will change it how I want to change it. Yeah, or, you know, just disappear for four months, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> A break um, is as good as a change. Yes. So, um, yeah, I suppose, um, like I said, with that, maybe we'll get to, to some of the uh, possible porn parodies. <laughs> some, some of these titles, you know, I've spent a bit of time on the internet now looking at these. Some of these titles are just... Oh, some of them are really obvious, and then some of them is, are so far-reaching, and you think, oh, yeah, cringe. But maybe I that's know. part of I was gonna say, I think it ties into with, like I said, how you know these leprechaun films are horrible, right? Like the par the parodies are meant to just get someone, right? Because all they got to do is click and buy it, click and watch it, right? Like we're saying, right? Yeah. More views. So I mean, I've maybe seen like Alice in Wonderland porn parodies before, or Alice? SpongeBob. Squarepants? Oh no! See, okay, see, that's where I have to draw the line. Is <laughs> with with children's content, like oh yeah, I I feel really weird about a a, a SpongeBob porn. Yeah, that's, it was weird. Or they have like Scooby Doo porn as well. Yeah. I think to me where weird. where we get with borderline is I have seen some people on um, like on Reddit, for example. Uh, I've seen people do uh, pornographic drawings of like Simpsons characters, and for oh. me, that's you know like Homer and Marge actually doing it. 
And for me, that's kind of borderline because although Simpsons is a cartoon, it's you know, although it is animated, I definitely think of that as like adult content. That I don't think of the Simpsons as a kids program, but SpongeBob is definitely for kids. Right. Yeah. And I, I definitely have no interest in seeing SpongeBob porn. <laughs> no. Well, no. Well, and like you said, it's just the the titles. I guess maybe it's. Like, I went up and, and looked up some of them, right? And it was, like, Apocalypse Now and Battlestar Orgasmica. And... <laughs> oh, oh, and instead of they're... Young Frankenstein, Hung Wankenstein. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and I've also seen Spankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> well, not seen, but that there's... <laughs> Or, uh, There's a title this, out there. This uh, lovely blowjob film entitled Dawn of the Head. <laughs> well, and I was trying to think, you know, movies that I've done on the show, right? So I was like, well, and sometimes they stretch it, like you said. So not all of these are uh, quite perfect. But I thought, well, you could turn Metropolis into like Macaulay. <laughs> <laughs> But it's going to have to be silent. No one says anything. You're just going <laughs> to... <laughs> or it could be about the industrial like revolution of dildo making. <laughs> Metcocalus. Uh, almost like a documentary. Yeah. Oh, maybe I should keep that to myself and write it down. And <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And any of this is, 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 is copyrighted. This, this idea is your intellectual property. So in case you want it was to on that. my show. It was indeed. <laughs> We've got the timestamps to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> then I thought I've done Night Riders, but if you did it with an N instead of the KN, it could still yeah. be Night Riders. It could just still be Night Riders. Yeah, you wouldn't have to do many changes to that. And of course, um, sex in a car is uh, is one of the uh, classic tropes, so uh, that would work out really well. <laughs> well, you could add to that one is is you could. You could actually have like car accessories, you know, like you know, you like you've got the plate, <laughs> you've got the you've got the plate. My mind is running already. <laughs> you, you ever, you know, all all cars now have places where you can like it's got an iPod dock. You can plug in your iPhone, so you can have hands free, or you can play your music from iTunes through the through the car speakers. So why couldn't you have you know other things that you plug in to make your yeah. uh, to make your commute. A bit more enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then <laughs> I thought I'd, I've already done a movie called Grabbers. I mean, that as well. I mean, this was, you know, about a monster from the sea, but there could be any number of of grabbers. <laughs> um, Ichi the filler? <laughs> Instead wow. of Ichi the killer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it or Ichi, um, <laughs> the fill her. The fill her. <laughs> A gangbang these film. Are, yeah, these are horrible. Faster pussycat fill fill. <laughs> <laughs> Not what Russ Meyer had intended, but you know, it's pretty close. <laughs> hey, if we get the right actors in it. <laughs> <laughs> actually i think but there's yeah. um th there's a lot of uh 
scope there for maybe holiday-themed films. And I think maybe that's something that porn doesn't really uh, explore as much. Like there was, uh, there was that, uh, that uh, porn parody film, Tit, Tit's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Which is, you know, classic, you know, when you're getting the whole family around for Christmas and, you know, everybody wants to watch Christmas films, why not break out Tit's a Wonderful Life? <laughs> it would give a whole new meaning to White Christmas. got to do something on the Christmas story, you know, where it's like, you'll put your eye out, but it's not a BB gun at all. <laughs> well, you know, they can call it whatever they want, I'm sure. A Christmas hoary. <laughs> a Christmas hoary. <laughs> and I'm sure there'd be a, a lot of ones that you could do around Halloween, because Halloween's now, anyway, Halloween has that sort of... Um, sexy thing you know you, you've got the two schools of thought there's there's people who do the scary costumes and then there's people who do the slutty costumes um i'm i'm, I'm a fan of both but i i definitely yeah. think that there's got to be some kind of you'd have to do some brainstorming on titles but there's there have to be some good halloween titles going there for and it'd be pretty easy to make a, a halloween themed porn film i'm surprised if there aren't some out there already actually oh I was gonna say, I swear there are, um, but I've just got to remember some of the titles because it's like, wait a minute, what the hell? <laughs> because obviously I tried to look up some stuff. Well, here, um, here goes my um, my Google search history for today. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween themed porn. I have the Texas Dildo Masquerade. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, here we are. Halloween XXX. That's a pretty classic one there. Top 25 must-have Halloween porn movies list. Wow, people are, people are going... <laughs> They're way ahead of us are, on this one. Yeah, people are going through the, through the trouble of compiling lists of the best. Wow, Camp Cuddly Pines Power Tool Massacre. <laughs> the Re-Penetrator? <laughs> The Night of the Giving Head. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Oh, the text. <laughs> oh. oh, I was like, that just distorted. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you didn't miss much. It was Texas Vibrator Massacre. Oh, boy. <laughs> Horrors from the clit. <laughs> That yeah, sounds like a bad, is. like, medical documentary show, not uh, a horror movie. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah, some yeah, some of these are just uh, terrible. Uh, but, yes. Pop friction? <laughs> <laughs> what, what better excuse, though, to put on Halloween costume reason? Right. And to make a point. Well, that's what I'll yep. be doing next Halloween, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> we we can review we can review a porn film next time. There we go. <laughs> that, that, well, that, but that, how would that, that go with my folding in on itself? Yeah, I was gonna say, how is that though? You know, it's it's about movies and sex, but not together because that would be porn. And so that, all of a sudden, it is together. 
Yeah. It's going to blow up the whole universe then, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we're definitely looking at some implosion there. Mushroom clouds, all of that. Well, we could always cover one of the original films and then talk about how it was turned into a porn parody. Into porn parodies. So does that mean we have to watch both all the way through? Ah, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I would probably say yes. But who wouldn't want to watch Boobarella? Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that you would definitely have to. This is where you know. I'm sure the uh, screams and moans expense account is you know vast, and has plenty of money to buy um, your lovely podcast guest a bottle of wine in order to get through Booberella. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to need something to drink. Yeah, we'll have to check out the import laws on different. <laughs> you can PayPal me. That'll be fine. There we go. <laughs> go buy yourself a nice bottle of wine. <laughs> oh, or the Texas Vibrator Massacre. <laughs> yeah, the Texas Vibrator Massacre. Yeah, dealer's choice, really. Uh, you know, if I've got my bottle of wine, you can pick the film. It doesn't matter. I, d- I don't think Ooh. there's going to be a lot in it between, you know, between our choices. <laughs> yeah I'm surprised it's so vast actually well I shouldn't be but there are basically if if there's a film out there it has a parody there's a porn parody yeah it's like an extension of rule 34 this yeah this yeah. Th- that's always going to exist out there and I think also it's an easy way given what we were talking about with the volume of of films that these studios put out I mean sometimes just hundreds of films every year it must be difficult to try and come up with original ideas for, for um, it's a bit much to say plots but setups you know okay we've, right. we've got uh, the plumber and the housewife we've got the postman and the housewife we've got the milkman and the housewife we've got you know after a while you go okay we're running out of scenarios for this so what else could we do well, you can either pay someone to come up with all these different scenarios, or you could just start borrowing from traditional cinema and just say, well, why don't we just do a remake of this film or Forrest Gump or, you know, sh- Shaving Ryan's Privates or, you know, what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is you want to do. Because really then you'll never run out because there are so many films out there that you can redo. Uh, as it were, that uh, you, yeah, yeah, you'll never you'll never run out of ideas, and you don't ever have to come up with any of your own. Then it's just down. You can use more of your budget um, in the costume department, getting you know people dressed up appropriately, <laughs> or some film props or something. Yeah. Well, you know, for something like uh, shaving Ryan's privates, you know, you're going to need everybody in in military uniforms and all that, and that's a big expense. Yeah. Assuming that they went with the military theme for that, I don't. I don't suppose that a film called Shaving Ryan's Privates actually has to be about the army. It could be. It could be about anything, really. The, yeah, like, as long as there's a razor in it. Yeah. yeah. As long as there's a razor and a character named Ryan, then you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can make the female version and just be Ryan. But with, you know, R-Y-N-E and make it, you know, the female yeah. version. 
everybody gets their private shave. We are equal opportunity here. <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> whole nother topic. <laughs> Feminism in the porn industry. <laughs> and shaving rituals and... <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's just it's doing it for themselves and all that, yeah. Yes. <laughs> in many, many ways. <laughs> Oh, well, I think before I end up owing you more bottles of wine, uh, (laughs) um, it's probably a good time to wrap up the show a bit, but, um, if people want to see more of your work, speaking of promotion, uh, and things, uh, where could people find you or connect with you? It's, it's super, super easy because, um, I'm so easily searchable on Google. Uh, my name is Melissa Maples. It's like the tree, M-A-P-L-E-S. And um, if, if you type Melissa Maples into Google, I'm like the first three pages of hits. Um, I'm at melissamaples.com. That's good marketing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was, I was very consistent with, with, my, with my branding. Um, I'm, I'm at melissamaples.com and I'm Melissa Maples on pretty much every, every social network. I'm, Melissa, I'm at Melissa Maples on Twitter. I'm Melissa Maples on Instagram. I'm Melissa Maples on Facebook. So uh, I, I never buy it when, uh, when people, like when old friends find me online and say, oh, I've been looking for you for years. I say, no, that's bullshit. Because if all you had to do was go to Google and type in Melissa Mables and you would have been overrun with me. There's, there's, there's probably more of me on Google than there needs to be. But yeah, I am, I am, uh, I'm pretty easy to find. And um, I, uh, despite being introverted, I am a friendly sort. So uh, uh, absolutely uh, drop in and say hi. Awesome. Uh, well, and as usual, you can find the show on Twitter at Screams and Moans. We also have a Facebook page. So again, it's just the Facebook address slash Screams and Moans. And yeah, again, thank you for coming well, back. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we got a chance to do this again, and hopefully we'll have a chance to do it yet again. Well, now we have a Halloween horror porn parody. Yeah episode yeah we definitely need to make halloween like our tradition we'll we'll do it every year if we can i think we should we're both into that yeah definitely definitely and and halloween's my favorite holiday so uh yeah we'll definitely have to do that i I look forward to (laughs) barella or some other wonderful yeah i'm sure sure we'll come up with something All right. Well, um, yeah, so thanks again. Uh, thank you. And... Thank you. I had a really good time. And thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a good night. Bye! Bye.